speaking of voices that are negative, I have never felt like I was a great writer. I never thought that was a skill set that I had. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Barbara Fonte and I connected immediately through the Zoom squares. In an event that was held in the Chicago area when she's based in New York and I'm in L.A. So we sort of met in the middle. I could just feel the successful energy of this entrepreneur and business coach who works with top leaders on mental fitness where she's a pioneer. She is certified in leadership coaching from Harvard University and is very proud to say she's a self-made millionaire. How are you today, Barbara? I'm doing well, Kim. How are you? I'm doing great. Tell me, because I'm dying to know, what does it mean to be a pioneer in the field of mental fitness? Well, um, I am one of a, a collective of coaches globally that have been on the front line with um, folks from all over the world uh, using something called mental fitness to make them happier and more productive. We say we like to live our life in peak performance, which means we're coming from positive emotions rather than negative emotions. Um, And a lot of what we do is based on a best-selling book called Positive Intelligence, which is written by a gentleman named Shirzad Shamin. And Shirzad and I work um, very closely on getting this information out to the public. Has this always been your expertise or the track in which you coach? When were you introduced to this? It has not always been. I actually heard about it when I was um, at Harvard University. And prior to that, I was doing a lot of coaching with sales professionals and business owners. And, um, And we were having a lot of success, you know, getting people into a place where they can achieve their goals. But what's great about the whole idea of mental fitness is that it gets you there a lot quicker and that it um, it opens up your sort of field of vision so you can immediately recognize what things are sabotaging your success or kind of getting you stuck to where you are, you know. And, and what, I mean, what I'm talking about is this is like a combination of psychology and neuroscience and performance science, and it's based on analysis of, of like elite athletes and top CEOs and Ivy League grad students and and a whole lot more, you know. So what are the signs someone comes to you? They say, Barbara, I'm really interested in this mental fitness stuff, right? Because that's a lot, a lot, a lot of you, a lot of people are, right? They're kind of a little bit leery, but they know it's working for like their friends or people around them. What is the sign that you see that someone might be ready to do that work? Or conversely, someone might not be ready. Well, I would say everybody's ready to do this work. And the reason is that far too many people, most people, unfortunately, especially in the Western world, operate using negative emotions. In other words, we're motivated by things like fear and stress and something that we might be ashamed of. Oh, so and so true. we live our life, right? And, um, and we, we go through our day 
deciding what to do or not to do based on these things. And there's an easier way to live. It, we're using up so much energy in these negative spaces. And uh, they're narrowing, again, they narrow our focus. So anyone who wants to live better, wants to live happier, wants to achieve more, they're the right candidate for doing mental fitness, which again is almost everybody. (laughs) Right, right. And that could be just the first entry level, or that could be someone who's seen some significant results there, and then they've hit a plateau, and then they want to go to another level. I mean, right now, what I've been seeing, especially in the pandemic, is that uncertainty seems to be a big issue of what holds us back because there's this level of discomfort with the unknown, right? So maybe that's why people go to negative. It's easier to go, oh, that'll never work out. Or it's easier to go like, I'm not pretty enough for that. Or I'm really angry at that person versus I'm really grateful that that person showed me like something that I, I, I dodged a bullet, right? So from a mental fitness perspective, how do you change the uncertainty narrative? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, we could have had this discussion, you know, years before the pandemic, but it certainly shined a light and, and amplified everybody's hypervigilance about what's going on and added more fears. I mean, we had so many people who were, who were like operating with this fear that they'd run out of toilet paper of all things, you know, it's ridiculous, but um, it's created this heightened level of anxiety. And so the first thing we need to do is become aware of it. Um, and the way that you can do an easy way to do that is whenever you feel unhappy or some kind of discomfort, ask yourself, what is the lie that you're telling yourself? Mm. Right. What is the lie that you're telling yourself? Is it that, um, there's something is not good enough. Your work might not be good enough. You might not be lovable, for example. Is it that uh, the lie is that, oh, well, everything's going to turn out for the worst? That's not true. Is the lie that you need to try to control everything? No, you don't need to control everything, but we think we do, you know. So we adopt these sort of patterns of thinking that maybe got us to where we are now. So we believe these lies, but they're lies. And they screw with our well-being, plain and simple, bottom line. And, and. From there, you know, once you can identify those things and label them as lies, they start losing their power. And of course, I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but, um, but they lose their power. And you want that. You want those negative voices, those negative attitudes to take a back seat. That way, you can open yourself up to positive things that your brain is capable of. Right. But again, right. when we're stressed, and we've seen this, we've seen this with the pandemic. We've seen this with such divisive, angry voices toward po- political issues and political candidates too. Uh, so uh, we need to start quieting that down a little bit, so we can heal ourselves and those around us. Um, you know, one of the things that I've discovered over the years for myself and also for the, the folks that I coach and work with is that people are capable of so much more than they can ever believe that they're capable of. Humans are amazing, amazing beings. And there's so much that we can tap into within our brain on the positive side, not just the negative, the positive side. And we need that more than ever. And I'm talking about things like empathy or how about self-empathy? you know, giving yourself a break. Um, innovation. We think about innovation, you know, maybe we think about people who invent things or techies. Well, innovation in today's day and age 
is for everybody. We've got to get creative about the way we live our lives, the way we run our businesses. Uh, We've got to get creative in our problem solving. We've got to pivot the way that we look at things. And that's where innovation comes in. Yeah, and I'd like to throw in there the the concept of curiosity, because that's been coming up for me is there's this hedging your bets. There's this staying on the safe side. There's this trying to mitigate the damage of failure in advance, uh, Mm. which is all wrapped up in, you know, the the self fallacy of the lie coming true. It, it just feels like there's so many like levels and tentacles to this. And, you know, I, and I, and I think mental fitness is, is such a great way of saying it. Cause it's like sort of when you work out, like, uh, like I'll tell you personally, like I used to be a really fit person and yeah. I still look fairly fit, but last night I tried to actually do like a legitimate sit up and I've lost all stomach muscles. And I'm like, Mm. how did that happen? Like, I'm blown away. I'm like, how can I not do an actual sit up without someone sitting on my feet? Like, this can't be like, I was sitting there, my 11 year old's like, oh, mom, you know, it's just like the brain when we stop doing something, it starts to atrophy, right? So if you stop innovating, if you stop believing in yourself, if you stop being curious, the brain's going to go back to flabby. Yeah, hundred percent. I love your analogy, Kim. Love, love, love it. You know, if you, yeah, if you're not fit and you've got to do a sit up or run up a hill or something, you're going to feel that physical stress. Well, if you're not mentally fit and you've got to deal with, like you mentioned, the uncertainty or the challenges and just in general obstacles that come, you're going to feel, you're going to feel that uh, stress on yourself. And that stress comes out in anxiety and sleeplessness and, and looking to other behaviors that don't really benefit us you and I chatted about you have a desire to write a book and what's been the thing that's held you back? You seem like a high, well, I know you're a highly intelligent woman and especially, you know, the fitness and the mental task it takes to write a book. What's, what's held you back? Hi listeners. It's survey time. I want to know more about you, the listeners. So in 2021, I can bring you more riveting content. Why do you listen to this podcast? What are you doing when you listen to this podcast? What kind of topics have you loved the most? If you don't mind, just going to take about three minutes to head over to a storyinside.com backslash survey. It's a great opportunity to procrastinate from anything that you really should be doing and feel like you're part of the Story Inside podcast community. Thank you so much. And now back to our amazing guest. I have never felt like I was a great writer. I never thought that was a skill set that I had. Um, I'm starting to change that, though. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging my mindset on that. It's easier for me to edit than create. Hmm. Interesting. So getting it out there, then I can play with it afterwards. 
again, a lot of people that come to me to write books are fabulous speakers. Like they have so much to say, like they get up there and they get any kind of audience and boom, they're just like full of eloquence. And then they go to write their book and it's like, they almost feel like they're now supposed to have some kind of secret knowledge about the way a writer does it. <laughs> and I'm always like, exactly. Why? I'm always like, where's your voice in this? And then I write it the way I think that they would want to say it for them. Not like I'm writing their book, but you know, I, I give them like a little, you know, a little nudge in that right direction. And they're like, oh, yeah. and then they feel set free because you want to put your voice in the book, but then there has to be structure and a flow for the reader. And that's all things that you do with a coach and an editor uh, after, you know, you, you find that voice, but it's, you know, so it is true. I agree with you. People get all caught up in that. That's, those are very different things. And and one of the issues is for speakers that try to write books is they've only been writing these like 45 minute speeches. So then they come in and they're like, I have to fill 200 pages. Like, <laughs> I don't have 200 pages of stuff to say. And you're like, yeah, you actually do. Like, because think about how hard it was to just get 45 minutes condensed. Right. Because if you if you, yeah, if you if you reverse engineer that. You could write a 72 page speech. <laughs> You know, like you'd have a lot to say if you were given the time. Right. So yeah. it's well, it's all good stuff. You're you're on the right track. And I hope in 2021 you do um, follow through with that goal because you 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 have a lot to say on this subject matter. And we're going to need a lot of hefty mental fitness to take on the unknowns of 2021. What would be some of the top five or six successful habits of, I'd say, highly successful people, not even just women, that we can continue using if we're already doing or start to practice going into this next year? Okay. Um, well, there's a challenge that you can practice um, where if something doesn't go the way that you hope it goes, um, you know, you, you can't close a deal. Your computer breaks down. Uh, something, your kid comes home with like a bad grade or just something that really kind of erupts your, your sensibilities. Ask yourself this question. What are three possible positive outcomes that could come of this? Now, warning, warning. <laughs> we're all very judgy. And so if you've never asked this question before, the answer that you're going to tell yourself is there is nothing good that can come of this. You know, that's a lie. Ask again and keep asking until you've got two or three possible positives, because even the worst situations do create some type of an opportunity or a gift. And the process of asking this is where the importance comes from. It's not even so much what the responses are and whether or not they're believable to you. It's that you're training your brain to look for the positive. It's what we call neuroplasticity. And if you do it on a regular basis, you're going to open up those pathways in your brain that lead to greater success and better well-being. So that's the first thing I would say, challenge that. Um, also, listen, we're starting a new year. Put together your goals, write them down. Successful people do that. Doesn't mean that they have to be perfect. Doesn't mean that you can't edit them and change them. You should check in with them constantly. But you want to put something down and you want to do it for two reasons. One is the obvious that if you're more likely to 
achieve them if you write them down. And there's so much data and, and studies on these kind of things. But the other part of it that people don't talk about as much, and that is that afterwards, when you look back at what you have written down and what you've actually achieved, you would be amazed at how much you've done. Like if people look back over the last year and they actually had written down all of the things that they did, they would feel so good about themselves. But we tend to to harp on what we haven't done rather than what we have done and what we have achieved. And there's so many little things. So I would say write it down. Make those goals and write it down. Other things, um, the most successful people are always seeking to learn more and to grow more. And there's a wealth of information at your fingertips, even if it's just downloading the, the app from your local library and start reading books right there or audiobooks, whatever speaks to you. And then I would say also self-care. You've got to have some kind of a process for yourself, even if it's just quieting the noise around you. This is actually a big one. We this all need big. to quiet the noise. This is big. Yeah. yeah, just to get myself to get on the couch with that fiction book that I bought. And it's sometimes, and here I am, you know, a book coach. I've been reading books my whole life and help, you know, helping yeah. writing and helping people. The dance I go through to get on the couch, then when mm. I'm on the couch and I open the book and I put the snuggly blanket on, you can't, I'm like, you need me to get up, get it yourself. You know, now I'm committed, <laughs> right? Now I'm three hours in with that. that book, right? But it's those I steps to get there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And so set it up as best as you can. And, and actually, self-care should be a non-negotiable. It should be in whatever it is. And, and here's a great idea for people that are thinking of what should I do. Pick a time once a week as your non-negotiable for self-reflection. Sometimes a weekend will work best for this. Um, sometimes people will do it in, in their house of worship, whatever it is. Wherever, whatever speaks to you, a quiet space, an inspiring space, a hike somewhere, something. And during that time, consider what you've done over the past week. What's worked? What things you might do differently? Uh, the good in things. Practice gratitude. And then think about the week coming up. And what are the things that you can plan for? What are the possible obstacles that can get in the way? And sort of take yourself through a practice run of how you will overcome them. How will you overcome, for example, those negative voices that come out? So I love a that. practice once a week of reflection is so powerful. I and, love and that. And who does that? Very yeah, and what I'm hearing from you is that that is what is going to keep us from tapping into or even having time to create and believe those lies. It's been such a pleasure to have you here and to give us some minutes of your busy time out there changing all the minds of America. And so I wish you uh, the best in that endeavor. And I know that you'll be helping many listeners with this podcast episode today. Okay, great. Thanks, Kim. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.